without locking down. The countries that haven't locked down have been able to successfully yeah. uh, tame the virus. You can't ever beat it out. You're not going to be able to. But you can do a better job than certainly happened early on before you understood what this virus was about. Well, it seems like a balanced and measured look at it from a quack, but uh, Dr. Oz in that case was right. Well, well, like I was saying last hour, I go back and forth on this myself. 210,000 people, it's got 211 up on the TV. Okay, 211,000 people dead is a hell of a lot of people in, what, seven months? Mm-hmm. Eight months, something Roughly, like that? Roughly, yeah. Um, uh, that's a, a very large number of people. Yet the statistics exist. You can look them up anywhere. You get it, 99% and a half, actually, if you're under 65 Likely that you're going to live through it. Mm-hmm. Um, At which point you don't have to worry about it for quite a long time. Nobody's right. quite sure how how long, but and the numbers if you're a child who ought to be in school or a college student who people are freaking out over for nothing, it's almost impossible. It kills you. I mean, it's incredibly unlikely. Tragic when it does, obviously. I should be back in school. That's right, Greta. Unless you have a serious underlying health problem as a young person, this thing is just not significant. And and as we all just, oh, tut, 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 as we watch the kids party in college, I just don't, uh, well, I do understand humankind's incapacity for reason. Well, what you said last hour is true and troubling. It It has become... It has become code for, oh, so you're a Trump person or, oh, so you're a Biden person, which yeah. is really unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Really unfortunate. I'm wearing a mask every freaking where I go. I'm, I wouldn't, if you open the movie theater near me, I'm not going to take my family and go to a movie theater. I'm just not. Nope. On the other hand, I'm paying a lot of money this year to get my kid into a school where he can be in a classroom because I think being in a classroom and getting an education is more important than you know, another level of avoiding COVID. So they're all judgment calls. I wish we were more free to make those judgment calls ourselves. Yeah, and I would suggest that now that we know a bit more about masks and social distancing and the rest of it, and the therapies have gotten much more effective, uh, you need to recalculate your risk. And if you're still acting the way you were acting in April, say, well, then either you lack the capacity for reason or, or I don't know, there's no helping you. Oh, Obviously, people with underlying conditions are an exception. And before you get to your thing, uh, once again, it's become so clear to me that um, if you're on the wrong side of the politics, if you're Trump or if you're, if you're white people or, or whatever, if you're, if you're on the wrong side of the politics and you get COVID, it's because you're reckless yeah. and you didn't take it seriously oh, enough. So true. If you're any other group... Though and you get COVID, it's because the world is screwing because you. You're somehow. oppressed. Somehow you're being screwed by the system. That's right. Conservatives with COVID, reckless and stupid. Liberals with COVID, oppressed. Just remember, it wasn't that. their fault. <clears throat> Something no, in the system caused them. them to get it. Exactly. And if it's a uh, a black family, a Mexican family that has big, giant family barbecues with no uh, precautions taken whatsoever, that has nothing to do with their behavior, because of course they're oppressed. If I do so exactly it has, it's, it's the, the same, patriarch, the white supremacy. If I do exactly the same thing and my whole family gets COVID, it's stupid, right-leaning uh, science denier. Right. Exactly. There you go. You have it. You have it down. The WHO, who is uh, admittedly under the thumb of China, um, but uh, is still, you know, they're not, they're not, it's like, it goes back to our discussion last hour. The WHO is neither entirely a perfect, shining glory on the hill, nor are they useless. 
Okay, it's a flawed organization, like most things human beings put together. But having said that, too many, uh, too many disclaimers. Here's what they said. The WHO's head of emergencies said Monday the agency's best estimates indicate that 10% of the world's population has been infected by the coronavirus. 10% of the world's population. Which is a figure, by the way, over 20 times higher than the number of current confirmed cases, which is not the least bit surprising if you know anything about this. Um, you know, you got your third worlders who can get sick, better, die, whatever. Nobody even knows. They just throw them in a mass graves or their family buries them in some, you know, a, a backwater. And, and no official counter ever gets word of that. But um, this disease continues to spread. It is on the rise in many parts of the world. Noting the figures vary between urban and rural areas, between different groups. But ultimately, quote, the vast majority of the world remains at risk. He said that Southeast Asia, Europe, and the Eastern Mediterranean in particular are facing a surge in cases at the moment, but that the whole world generally was heading into a difficult time. I do have this feeling that we're on the downside of it, and statistically that's not true. Uh, no, there's no reason to think that. No, no. I'm, and, it's, and it's weird. I just I have the feeling that it's not as scary as it was five months ago or whatever. I'm as likely to get it now as I was then, or anybody on the show, or my family, or anything. Yes, true. <clears throat> the uh, Speaking of organizations that are useful yet floundering, the CDC has updated their coronavirus airborne transmission guidance after deleting an earlier revision. This is uh, This has to do with aerosolized tiny droplets. The whole six feet... Uh, within uh, spending uh, 15 minutes within six feet of somebody, that's about big old spit droplets um, that that we all understand. They're talking about tinier droplets that get whipped up into the air and remain in the air for a long time. Man, one thing you notice from the president and all those people that have it now is this thing, if it gets into your circle, it spreads so easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, it's ob- extremely ob- contagious. Obviously, if one of us got it, on a weekend, we'd all have it. It just it just spreads that easily. Yeah. Um, Which would suck. So the long and short of it is the, the aerosolized that hangs in the air for a significant amount of time, um, it, it's, it's much, much less likely you get it from that. But they believe if an infected individual is breathing heavily... Under these circumstances, scientists believe the amount of infectious smaller droplet and particles produced by the people with the vid become concentrated enough to spread the virus to other people. The people who were infected were in the same space during the same time or shortly after the person with COVID-19 had left. But again, if you get a big old dose of it, that's when you're in much more trouble. So, anyway, keeping up with the science. Now to the law, Jack. The law. In a fabulous victory for reasonableness. Reasonableness. Mm-hmm. Reasonableness and liberty, the obnoxious uh, (laughs) Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer, Democrat of Michigan, has had her emergency authorities smote down by the Michigan Supreme Court ruling on Friday. However, Whitmer, in an outrageous display of, of government overreach and hubris, said she has no intention of abiding by the ruling and is going to find another way to keep the lockdowns in place. Which is, you know, hey, hey, everybody talking about what if Trump refuses to give up power peacefully? What if he stays in the White House and declares himself dictator? 
It's never going to happen in a friggin' million years. You got a governor right now in Michigan ignoring the courts because of procedural questions and how it would be implemented. Um, She's saying, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, It's a decision of the Supreme Court, said Wayne State University Law School professor uh, Robert Sedler. The existing stay-at-home orders would not be valid. This is going to have quite an impact. On the other hand, the would-be dictator of Michigan, Whitmer, said that she was right and the court was wrong. Today's Supreme Court ruling, handed down by a narrow majority of Republican justices, is deeply disappointing. And I vehemently disagree with the court's interpretation of the Michigan Constitution, she said. Um, And then she mentions that the uh, Upper Peninsula is experiencing rates of COVID infection not seen in our state since April. Well, let the people decide what sensible precautions there, Governor. Or, or 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 open up more resources for people. Her, or, or buy stupid ads telling people to wear masks. Her argument. But don't tell people I'm going to crush your living. Her argument does her argument harm. It seems to me. Okay, so the people in the Upper Peninsula have a problem. Then why are the people in the the lower main part of the state? Why would they be under the same rules as the upper the UP? Right. Doesn't make any sense. Are the local authorities in the UP not up for election this year, or next year, or whatever? Are the people of the UP so stupid they can't act according to the best available information right now and protect themselves in ways they see fit? Why do you, oh Godhead Whitmer, need to be in charge of everybody's lives? Why would somebody in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, much lower in the state, where, I spent, Michigan where knowledge. I spent a long drunken weekend once, um, or beautiful Saugatuck oh, on the shores? Why would they be under the same rules of as the people Michigan. in the UP? Right. That's that's the problem. And you don't get to keep emergency powers forever. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. There are a number of states in Cal Unicornia that have protested rather strongly. I'm surprised it hasn't gone to the California Supreme Court. But um, uh, two state laws uh, frame the Emergency Management Act and the Emergency Powers of the Governor Act frame the rules for declaring a state of emergency in Michigan. And the judges wrote... You know what? This just popped into my head. What's that? This is silliness Okay. in the midst of seriousness. Go ahead. You know the thing that sticks out in my memory from my drunken uh, weekend, three or four day weekend in Mount Pleasant? What is that, sir? We're at bars and run around, a bunch of single people in our 20s, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember one young woman telling me I had a boyish physique. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny, I still remember that 30 years later. (laughs) Did she mean mean slim and youthful? No. Like a child. Like prepubescent. <laughs> a child? <laughs> wow, that's funny. I remember how wounding that was. Yeah. You know how it is, Sean. You're at the bar. Everybody's around. You got the, you know, you're trying to work your thing. Yeah. You're, you're, trying you're, to... you're throwing your vibes out. Exactly. You're, you're get, casting to, a few lines. Trying to get your mojo, your swagger going. And someone says, you have a boyish physique. <laughs> I'm going to go focus my vibes over on this side of the room for a little bit. I think listen, I'll stare into the bottom of a picture. Listen, I'm going to help you out a little bit. Are there any aging bleach blonde elementary school teacher or high school teachers in here that like little boys oh, that geez. like to sex up their students? So I got a hot one for you here. He claims he's 18 plus. I don't know. He has a boyish physique. <laughs> we have a boyish physique here. That's nah, not what I wanted that to hear. That was wounding. All right, well, now, the fact that I still remember it 30 years later shows it left a mark. I'd say. <laughs> All right. The the reasoning, the iron tight, re- airtight is a better metaphor. The airtight, iron fisted reasoning. Got a physique like a Chevy Astrovan. All right. Oh, boy. Oh, golly. You think you're some prize? Huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's the retort. <laughs> like the guy on the end of the bench in an NBA game, no scoring tonight. <laughs> the Michigan Supreme Court's ruling, what they said, their logic is inescapable. We'll share that with you next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. All weekend, they told us Donald Trump was going to die. He had a pre-existing condition called obesity. Trump wasn't merely overweight. He was, quote, clinically obese, grotesquely overweight, sideshow fat. His silhouette blocks the sun. Thanks to decades of cheeseburgers and Three Musketeers bars, Donald Trump would never make it home alive. Tucker was actually oh. mocking the press, not the president. But, yes. uh, hey, hey, you're going too far on making your point, I would think, if I was President Trump. Uh, Three Musketeers is an inferior bar, by the way. Uh, the point what Tucker was trying to make is that look at the statistics on this. Practically everybody, even really old people, 99% likely that you survive this. Right. Right. So do we need to, you know, the schools, the businesses, all the, the conversations we've had? Yeah, the uh, caveat on the president's condition is that he is squarely in the... Sideshow f- fat. Morbidly <laughs> obese, right. they say. Uh, settle down, everybody. He's in the uh, two to three day period where it can appear that you're doing fine, then your body's immune response goes crazy and you're in crisis. We're certainly hoping that's not the case and... And and the longer we go and the president's still feeling good, the better news it is. But we'll see. Uh, getting back to the uh, Michigan Supreme Court slapping down Governor Whitmer's uh, emergency order, which has been going on for months and months, said the judges, the governor's declaration of a state of emergency or state of disaster may only endure for 28 days, absent legislative approval of an extension. So if the legislature does nothing as it did here, the governor is obligated to terminate the state of emergency or disaster after 28 days. Then they go on in some detail about that and how it hadn't happened, how it's a constitutional uh, violation, because it purports to delegate to the executive branch the legislative powers of state government, including its plenary police powers, and to allow the exercise of such powers indefinitely. Uh, The uh, Republican speaker said the people of the state have been denied a voice and a seat at the table in decisions that have impacted every facet of their lives and their futures for the past eight months. They deserve to have their representatives bring their voice and their concerns to the decision-making process, etc. It's just absolutely outrageous, A, how various governors have seized control of their states, just delighting in their so-called emergency powers, and it's also amazing the extent to which people have put up with it. Yeah. Jeez, do you not understand how dangerous that is? This is. It's COVID one day. It'll be something else the next day. Yes, this is an emergency, says Gavin Newsom, says Gretchen Whitmer, says, you know, one of the other geniuses running. Oh, that the fat idiot in, in Illinois, for instance, whose name uh, Pritzker. Anyway, writer David French has a book out called Divided We Fall. We talked to him yesterday. We'll play a little bit of our conversation coming up about uh, how polarized we are as a nation. There's no doubt about that. And how legitimately we could have a secession crisis. How so, that would look. We're at the four-year anniversary of the Billy Bush tape. It was at this point four years ago that the Donald Trump talking about grabbing him by the P tape came out Yeah, um, uh, from Billy Bush. And so Billy Bush did an interview for Men's Health in which he talks about how after that event, remember, he got fired by NBC. 
for that. For chuckling awkwardly. What did he do wrong? Anyway, he spent. He says he spent months drinking heavily, too paralyzed to get off his couch and unable to stop crying. Wow. Uh, and he he was 44 years old at the time. Seems like an overreaction to me, although... Yeah, I, I had a friend who was canceled. I don't believe that's how it went for him, but... Yeah. <clears throat> fighting um, his way back. After the tape circulated, circulated, Billy Bush was ready to apologize on air and believed he had uh, Matt Lauer's support. But uh, then he didn't fight for me, and it was hurtful because I've known him forever. Instead, he learned he was canned. Billy Bush learned he was canned when he tried to get a car to the airport before flying back to New York. And the driver who was meant to take him said, sorry, Mr. Bush, they just canceled the car. That's how he found out he was fired. Canceled! Oh, boy. Having recently separated from his wife, he holed up alone in an apartment drinking too much whiskey. Four months into the situation, he told his brother, I'm paralyzed. I can't get off my couch. I can't stop crying. Yikes. Yeah. It's no way to be. Bit of a reaction. I consider calling his uh, Uncle George W. or Jeb. I think my reaction would have been, I can't believe the twists and turns of life. But I don't think I would have cried for four months. Anyway. Yeah. You're made of hardier stuff than little Billy Bush, apparently. Trump got elected and he ended up... So he was still drinking on his couch when Trump was elected president. Oh, the irony. Yeah, no kidding. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm not sure I have the proper mood for the program and that I have no interest in talking about the news of the day. Really? I have a number of things that are like uh, transcend the daily news that I'm interested in talking about. Mm. The daily news cycle is wearing my hiney out. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, it's 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 getting dumber and dumber for one thing, and more and more repetitive. I mean, CNN, for instance, is gone full on missing Malaysia jet on the COVID. I mean, it's just every second of every broadcast day. Positive, positive. Sean, a thought. I would say that your guys' threshold for that is also higher than the general populace, just because uh, of your career, got- and you. And there are some days where it's interesting to you guys. So fake it. Is that what you're saying? No, We're I, I, more t- tired of it than the audience, or what? No, I'm saying the what fact is your point? that it has gotten to a rate that has exhausted even you two. Ah, other is, people are really exhausted yeah, by it. Yeah. Gotcha. Ah, yeah, okay, now I get it. Sorry, I yelled. I just it's that's what it's just saying. Yeah, worn yeah, my, out. You it's, know how it it's is. the new normal. Yeah, my yeah. wife bailed. <laughs> my wife bailed out of Facebook and like one other thing that she checks regularly for news, just because she's like, ah. Speaking of uh, social media, we became aware, having announced that we'd done a uh, extra large podcast with David French, author of a brand new book called Divided We Fall, America's Secession Threat and How to Restore Our Nation, uh, that a lot of you really don't like French because he's um, he's one of those uh, non-Trump fan Republicans. I'd say. And rather out and proud about it. I will tell you this about old D. French. Uh, he is also a great lover of limited government, liberty, uh, the more local, the better government. You'd agree with them on a lot. Yeah, his book is not uh, about Trump. No, it's about quite the, deliberately. It's about the 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 state of the nation that um, elected Trump and will continue when Trump is gone. Yeah, so uh, it's a rather long interview. We think you'll enjoy it. That's what we call. Uh, that's why we call it the Armstrong and Getty Extra Large Podcast. But we're going to play a significant chunk of it here. He's talking about a a fairly realistic couple of scenarios where some of the big states in the United States decide we don't want to be part of it anymore. Uh, This is clip 61 with David French. 
Well, we will govern ourselves in our own state that we've just created out of the top of uh, California and the bottom of Oregon. The the part of your title it is America's secession threat. Lay out a, a Texit or a Cal Exit, how that could actually occur. Yeah, so there's two chapters in the book that are they, they're kind of the hinge points of the book. And this, if you read the chapters and you find them chilling, uh, then I've done my job. If you find them far fetched, I haven't. But I have a Cal Exit scenario and a Texit scenario in the book. And essentially what they both hinge on are similar dynamics that existed in 1776 and then in 1861. And that is a powerful geographically cohesive entity that believes that its fundamental values are under threat, even to the point of their lives being under threat. And so in the Cal exit scenario, I have a situation where um, there's been a series of terrible, terrible mass shootings which leads to a decision from California to implement draconian gun control restrictions that a government constituted of a president who did not win a popular vote and a Supreme Court that has been uh, uh, that has been delegitimized by much of the left in the country re- essentially says to California, you can't do that and triggers a series of cascading overreactions from political fi- uh, figures on the right and the left. And and one of the, the really key points about this is if you look at, uh, for example, if you look at American history, and if you look at world history, in fact, what ends up happening is you often have situations that are inherently unstable in the sense that there are huge divisions, there are issues of huge, you know, huge, uh, uh, not, you know, huge divisions politically, religiously, etc. And imagine like you're building a bonfire, you're laying the wood down, you're, you're uh, stacking it very neatly, you're maybe putting a little bit of kerosene on it. And all that's lacking is the spark, is the fire, the flame. And when you look around history, often you see the flame is supplied by blundering politicians. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, some folks have described the politicians leading up to the Civil War is blundering. Obviously, the English politicians prior to the American Revolution, many of them were blundering. And so you have these blundering politicians that can supply the spark. And then because of all of this cultural and political and religious division, that spark turns into a roaring flame really fast. And so that's what I'm worried about. I'm very worried about a a level of division that can turn into, um, you know, disruption uh, with extru- with shocking speed. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you chose a a, a specific uh, issue, a, a mass shootings and, and, and the Second Amendment and the rest of it. And it's so intriguing, and I, I'm looking forward to reading it. When we discuss this sort of thing on the radio show, it's usually more, I don't know, maybe the it's unlikely that they abolish the Electoral College, but maybe we get to a situation where the the coastal populations are so dense, they essentially elect every single president. And Wyoming right. and Idaho and, and similar states uh, increasingly are the subject of urban-centric government. And, and finally, they've had enough. And and some governor, some breakaway governor of Idaho or whatever says, we're encouraging our people not to pay federal taxes. Oh, yeah. And if you want them, you're going to have to send in the Marines, and we know you're not going to do that. Yeah, my brother in Ellis County, Kansas, is not going to be okay with being, uh, you know, dictated to by California and New York. They they would never, they would never go along with it. Well, you know, the, the Texas scenario in the book is kind of like that, so... 
if you look at um, the two big fears left and right on the left, their fear is minoritarian rule. In other words, they look at things like the Electoral College and the population trends in the Senate and they say, wait a minute. And the fact that no Republican other than there's only been one Republican win the popular vote since 88. And they say, wait a minute, these this minoritarian. And who was that, David? George W. Bush okay. in 04. <laughs> what, and, what are you doing? Let the I man speak. Want, I just want to know who it was. <laughs> it was W. So W is the last one to win a popular vote majority. And so there's this real fear, if you talk to a lot of progressives, of minoritarian government. So a minority of Americans dictate how they live. And you talk to a lot of conservative Americans, and they fear majoritarian tyranny. And so, you know, a disruption of these um, safeguards against majoritarian tyranny that exist in Constitution and American tradition. In my Texit scenario, a lot of it depends on a government that comes into place, abolishes the filibuster, packs the court, and then this new packed court starts really rolling back individual liberty, which causes a you know governors to say no, no, we we're not we're going to you know the su- Supreme Court has made its ruling now let it enforce it, and that's where the book ends, and we're doomed <laughs> as a country. Actually, the book and the interview go on to propose solutions and ways to fix this. Um, which have to do with the stuff I mentioned in the introduction, uh, more self-governments, more governance, m- more local government, less busybodies deciding they know how everybody should live. That was David French. We were interviewing about his book, Divided We Fall. It took a long time. It took decades of uh, uh, animosity and splits little by little growing, growing over over many, many years to get to the Civil War where we are now is not good, but are we at like the end of a pendulum swing and it's gotten crazy and it's going to start swinging back or are we just on a trajectory of getting more and more and more divided to where we just don't even won't even talk to people from the other side. There is a we won't giant Mary. We won't, we won't live in their States as people start to move around based on their ideologies. There, there's a giant difference between that time and this time uh, that I think is significant. Horses. Uh, that's correct. Now we have cars. You've you've gotten way ahead of me here. Uh, we'll talk about that difference in just a second after a quick word from our friends at Car Shield, which is the number one auto protection company in America. They've helped over one million drivers. They have a range of car protection plans, uh, service protection plans, depending on you and your car and your budget, and no long term contracts or commitments. You get tired of it. You don't want it anymore. Fine. Yeah, previous to the Civil War, you would have had we had horse shield. That's right. Your horse runs out of hay, you call horse shield. Mm-hmm. But now car shield, and it's just a great idea that you uh, you got the protection you need, and you can still choose your favorite mechanic or dealership, even if you're on the road at the time. Car shield has helped one million drivers. That's why they're America's number one auto protection company. And I love the fact this this seems to be the way um, things are going. Consumer goods. It's easy to get into, easy to get out of, as opposed to, like, you know, long-term obligations. And if your car is out of its warranty or about to be out of its warranty, man, is this for you? Go to carshield.com, use the code Armstrong to save 10%. That's carshield.com, and use the code Armstrong. A deductible may apply. I'm supposed to read that. You said things are different than they were pre-Civil War. Facial hair is starting to be similar. Okay. There's one... Well, then, in the 1860s, obviously, there was one gigantic, inexorable, 
unsolvable conflict. And that's the existence of slavery. I heard a report this morning. They're talking about the removal of a statue outside a, I believe it was a Shreveport, Louisiana courthouse that shouldn't have been there. It was a tribute to the Confederacy, which is not good in front of a courthouse. They mentioned, no, you know what? It was in Texas, come to think of it. It was in a Texas town. They mentioned that in Texas's um, uh, notice of secession from the U.S., their official, uh, we're seceding, states' rights and federalism weren't mentioned once, but slavery was mentioned 22 times, I think. Hmm. The Civil War was about slavery, honestly. I mean, that's an oversimplification, but it's not an untruth. Our, our giant conflict but that's today... But that's not what the average uh, rebel soldier was fighting for, though. That's not what they cared about. They didn't have slaves, most of them. What about the people who sent them to fight? Absolutely, that's yeah, what that's, they were fighting about. Yeah, poor men die in rich men's wars, as they say, at the risk of sounding like, uh, I don't know, whatever I sound like. Um, so we don't have that giant inescapable issue. We have a number of pretty significant issues right now, but slavery was going to either take a 21st century style gigantic economic bailout of the South or a war. And we had a war. But so does having a single issue make it easier to fix or harder to fix? Well, it depends. Like I said, there, there was no fixing slavery. But how do you fix a just multifaceted, like there are 50 different facets, maybe 500 different facets, divide? How do you how do you solve that? Cooler heads prevail. Common sense. You get a good conservative court. Conservative, not I want a conservative outcome. Conservative is I'm not going to legislate from the bench. Um, And maybe, maybe there's a way, because it's not that complex a notion to get the word out. Hey, people who live in cities have very different lives and very different needs than people who don't live in cities. People in cities, quit passing sweeping laws for your whole state or the whole country. You don't understand the other people's needs. Just because you outnumber them doesn't mean you should rule them. This this country is not designed to be a democracy. It's full of protections against democracy. And I wish we still taught civics and helped people understand that. Majority oppression is absolutely one of the founding fathers' hottest concerns. Um, you have any thoughts on that? Our text line 415-295-KFTC. I don't know this story about Tyra Banks losing her uh, losing her mud during a Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, last a lot night. of social media is calling for her firing. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Did she uh, cross one of those lines? Oh, no. the line. many no. <laughs> lines. Many terrible lines. Anyways, lines that should not be crossed. That and other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. National Insurance Crime Bureau. A question for Michelangelo, our board operator of 20 plus years. Have you seen the Jerry Seinfeld special on Netflix? No, not yet, but I want to see it. There's a lot of good stuff in there about marriage. As uh, as Jerry Seinfeld got married at age 45, he's now 65, and uh, a lot of his stand-up is about marriage. And we thought, uh, Sean and I were just discussing, maybe we'll feature every day this week as you're getting married this weekend. Every day this week, some of Seinfeld's commentary on marriage. I like it. It might be helpful for all, for all of us. Sure, why not? Starting with this. 
But that's what marriage is. It's two people trying to stay together without saying the words, I hate you. Which you're not allowed to say, okay? You can't say that. You can feel it. That's okay. Don't let it come out. Say something else, anything. Say, why is there never any scotch tape in this damn house? <laughs> scotch is I, tape is hate, house is you. <laughs> but it's better. You don't say, I could kill you right now. You say, you're so funny sometimes. <laughs> why is there never any scotch tape in this house? <laughs> We'll feature Jerry Seinfeld's tips on marriage all week long. Fantastic. Um, I, I got a good text this morning, though. Oh, yeah? It says, you never know what true happiness is until you're married, and then it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Not true, Not Michael. True. Don't listen to the cynics. Um, uh, Trump is out of the hospital home. His home is the White House, which has an emergency room and 24-7 doctors and nurses, so it's not exactly the same as when you go home. But that's where Trump is currently, and uh, that's where we are on that story. So since we spent the last segment contemplating the dissolution of the union, which is a little heavy, uh, how about a little lighter fare here? We understand there was quite the mishap on the Dancing with the Stars parade of stupid. Um, Do we have the original clip of the mishap there, Sean? Anne and Keo and Vernon and Pita are at the bottom two. There's actually been an error. I'm looking right now, and we have three couples. So we need to clarify this for one second. The bottom two couples are Anne and Keo, and Monica and Val. Please come back. Please have Monica come back. There's been an error in our control room, but we're making it happen. So La La Land didn't win Best Picture? This is live TV, right? This is the craziness of live TV. Yay! I'm so sorry. This is live TV. I was reading my cards, but my cards are long, so here we go. Okay, blaming the control room. <laughs> Just say this is live TV over and over, and then it's passing, not my fault. Passing the buck. Of course, she does just stand there and look pretty and read what they tell her to read. We understand she's apologized, Sean. I hosted the second episode of Dancing with the Stars that I'm hosting this season, and it wasn't perfect. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, but I messed up. I said the wrong words, but the thing is I kept <laughs> kept going. In fact, you know what? Tonight, right. Sky Jackson, Disney Channel star, 18-year-old, she kind of fell and during her dance, and she got back up and she kept going. Oh. And because of that, you're killing me. she's here for another week. So, so the funny. message is I messed up this week, Sky messed up this week, but we're going to keep on going and going, alright? Yes. So, forgive oh. yourself when you mess up. Stand the heck up I and feel keep going. So empowered like, right now. I like how she tried to turn that at the end so into empowered. like some sort of after school special with a message. Oh. About overcoming mistakes. Chicken soup for the supermodel soul. Said the wrong thing in a dancing competition. And Everybody's then, fine. Then she went to Twitter and said, Wowzers. Live TV, wrong name on cards. So challenging to deal with moments like these, but we power through. Yeah, it's an inspiration to me. I've got some difficult things to deal with today, and I'll be right. thinking about Tyra Banks throughout the day. Right. She got See. the wrong card, but then didn't, what, commit suicide? 
<laughs> drop dead. Set fire to the studio, killing everyone in there. Throw herself in front of a train. <laughs> she powered through. <laughs> so brave. <laughs> oh, 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 boy. Words. You know... <laughs> I did like that part. If watching that show (laughs) and reading, for instance, the news story I have in front of me prevents certain people from voting, that will be enough for me. (laughs) That is a good outcome. Please keep watching that show and don't vote. Words. So also with some TV silliness that was more serious, Megan the Stallion on Saturday Night Live in the middle of her song, if you I didn't still see it, it, should be Megan the Mayor. But anyway, in the middle of her song, she criticized harshly the the Kentucky Attorney General in the whole Breonna Taylor case. Oh, and uh, he has sakes. responded to that as he probably should. That was a heck of a political movement. Did Saturday Night Live know that was going to happen, or did she do that out? I haven't actually read that. Was that like part of the rehearsal, or did she slip that in on live television? It well, was part of the presentation of like the background on the stage. Yeah, it seems I saw hard that. To, to get it in last minute. I would agree. Yeah. Well, there's no limit to wokeness in the media these days. Uh, that, among other things, on the way. Armstrong and Getty.